Hello, ako si Judas Cavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Raffler Podcast episode kung saan nihimayin natin ang mga may init at mahalagang isyu sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Raffler's Newsbreak, Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang tensyon sa pagitan ng Taiwan at China. Inihayag kamakailan ng China ang kanilang planong military deals malapit sa Taiwan. Nagdag ito sa mas lumalaking presensya ng China sa region. Dahil sa lumalalang tensyon, tanong ng marami. Paano ito maapektuhan ang Pilipinas? At paano nga ba dapat rumesponde ang gobyerno dito? Sagutin natin ang mga tanong ito kasama si Sofia Tomacruz, ang foreign affairs reporter na Rappler. Hi Sofia, thank you for joining me today. Hi Judas, thanks for having me again. Sofia, paano nga ba nagsimula ang gulo na ito sa pagitan ng China at Taiwan? Ano nga mm-hmm. ba ang dahilan kung bakit inaangkin ng China ang Taiwan? Sige. So, balikan natin yung nangyari noong August 3, no? Recent tensions really started with the visit of US Speaker Nancy Pelosi to the island. But before that, I mean, that was the most recent event that really sparked the level of tension that we're seeing right now. But even before that, we can say that tensions were simmering. And I think 2020 is a, an important year to look at, no? Um, Because this is when, what happened in 2020? Of course, that's when the pandemic broke out, no? And this is really when Taiwan's profile was sort of rising in the international community because we saw, so many countries saw how successful Taiwan was when it was combating COVID-19. It raised the alarm on possible human-to-human transmission. And so, you know, all those things raised the island's profile. And of course, they also had high-profile support from the U.S., among other things. And that's really... Of course, that wasn't acceptable to Beijing because that would bolster its sense of independence. And so in the context of, sorry, just to mention a brief point about the support from the U.S., there was growing support from the U.S. for Taiwan. And for you could see this in different activities. Now. So for example, in 2020, when we're looking at that year, the former Health Secretary Alex Azar visited Taiwan and he was the highest ranking U.S. government official to visit the island at that time in more than 40 years. So all these developments, of course, are unacceptable to Beijing, which claims Taiwan. And Taiwan's profile rise, rising in the international community, of course, is seen as a problem because they owe, because they have these claims over Taiwan. And back then, Beijing was already responding with anger and a show of force. That's when they were ramping up military drills. And I think what really made the news at the time in relation to these military drills were the incursions into Taiwanese airspace. And so even if Nancy Pelosi's visit was the most recent thing that sparked this level of tension, there has always been a slow, steady increase in the activities that we're really just seeing, you know, happening on a different level right now. Parang when I think of Taiwan, like before the pandemic, sobrang siguro mababaw, but natatawa ako sa kanilang Ministry of Foreign Affairs Twitter. Sobrang makikita mo dun pa lang sa social media nila na strong stance sila against China. Hindi sila talaga nag-hold back when they condemn whatever China is doing over the past years. Sa anong pinangahawakan nila or sa sila humuhugot considering that there's a small island compared to China, the superpower, over yeah. the years talaga, malakas sila, no? So parang where does they come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. No? This conflict between China and Taiwan, and Taiwan seeing itself as its own state, its own country, and China seeing Taiwan as a part of it, it's partly rooted in the late 40s, no, when civil war erupted in China. And that, that civil war was between the forces of Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong's Communist Party. So, you know, of course, that the communists won and 
they took control of Beijing, which was the seat of power. That's when Chiang Kai-shek's national party, known as the Kuomintang, that's when they left and fled to Taiwan. And that's in Taiwan is where they ruled for several decades. So in the eyes of China, they see Taiwan as this breakaway province that will eventually be under its control again. But Taiwan sees itself as distinct from China with its own leaders who are elected by the public, its own laws, its own constitution. And so that's kind of where the tension is now. But in just going back a little bit to... Well, going forward, rather, to where we are now. Chinese President Xi Jinping has more openly and more explicitly talked about reunification with Taiwan and how it, mm. it's a non-negotiable for China. So, And as we've seen uh, in recent weeks and years, the use of force is not impossible for, for this to happen. Yes. You mentioned nga talaga na talagang when you gave the context, the historical context, malaki yung parang hugot ng China sa gusto ng mangyari. Malaki rin yung pinangahawakan ng Taiwan kaya sila lumalabas sa China. Uh, itong pagbisita ni US Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, recently sa Taiwan. And then I think past weekend, may mga legislators then from US na pumunta rin. I think apat sila. No? It's taga sa highlight kasi the highest level of government official from US pumunta dito. What do you think this signals? Will this be a new era for Taiwan-China strain? Well, I think multiple factors are at play, no? So, if it's a new era, you can say that in a way because, again, so multiple factors are at play. And it might be a new era in the sense that there's a lot of important developments that are happening right now, no, in this year. So, for example, the meeting of the Party Congress in China happening later on this year where Chinese President Xi Jinping is expected to have to extend into a third term. So, that's pretty unprecedented because usually... For Chinese leaders who came before Chinese President Xi Jinping, usually occupy or take control for around two terms. And so now Xi Jinping is trying to gather support for a third term, right? So that would be a break from that. And in a way, that could usher in a new era because this is the kind of stand that China has taken under President Xi Jinping. And so were he to stay in power longer, and it's pretty much, I mean... You read the news and you you read stories about the leadership. It's pretty much, a, I would say, a foregone conclusion that there is going to be a third term for Xi Jinping. And so you can say it's ushering a new, in a new era. Although at the same time, this has always been how it's like, right, under him. So I think it's more just this is the new era. This level of tension and this level of volatility, perhaps, is what we could expect to become quote-unquote, new normal. Even um, Singaporean leader, Singaporean president mentioned a few weeks ago that he sees the world coming into a more challenging, he says, darker clouds are hanging over the global landscape and that's what people and countries should be prepared for. Yeah. So, from the outside the country, punta naman tayo ngayon sa Pilipinas, Sofia, no? Kamusta bang relations ng bansa natin sa Taiwan? I know, di ba, siguro on the surface level, I know Technically, walang, formally speaking, walang embassy in Taiwan sa Pilipinas. How would you describe yung relations sa dalawang lugar na to? Well, our relations with Taiwan are pretty similar to a lot of countries. The Philippines abides by a one-China policy. And so that means that we don't have formal relations with Taiwan. We, that means we don't have an embassy there. 
we don't have an ambassador there. What we do have are cultural or representatives. So if you know the offices like MECO or TECO, Taiwan Economic Cultural Office, that's the relationship we have because we have economic and cultural relations with them, but we don't have formal diplomatic relations like again, on the level of the ambassador and, and having an embassy there. So yeah. it's pretty similar to a lot of other countries now, which established formal relations with China. And for, for that to have happened in the 70s, you had yeah. to, at the bare minimum, recognize the one China policy, which, I mean, mm -hmm. abide by the one China policy, which sees you recognize the government in Beijing, so the People's Republic of China, as the legitimate government. And by doing that, you downgrade ties with Taiwan. Yeah. So parang naging parang prerequisite for any relationship with China, mm -hmm. formal relationship to acknowledge the one China policy. Yeah, it's not just the Philippines. Yeah, it's majority yeah, yeah, of the countries. Yeah. But are there countries that refuse to acknowledge this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are. There are around 13 countries. I won't list all of them because there are 13 now. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, including the Vatican. So there are countries that don't abide by the One China policy. And these are because they have strained relationship with China or they never formally acknowledge a relationship with China? Yeah, they never formally abided by the One China policy. And that means they never recognized the People's Republic of China as the, the sole legitimate government. Ah, okay. Sige. So, with what's happening now, na medyo, di ba nga, we see China as a global superpower, but at the same time, we see its negative effect encroaching the ter territories or sabotaging the economy of, of many countries. Like, as we see with its loans, like we see it in Sri Lanka, for example. Maari ba natin makita here or maybe sooner or later in the future ang end of one China policy? Mahirap yung tanong na yun because then we <laughs> making predictions, no? Because uh, for one, we can also look at what's happening, what other countries are, are doing, right? So for instance, the U.S., which is directly involved in the tensions mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's pretty much self-explanatory, you know? I mean, the Nancy Pelosi visited and now there are more lawmakers who are visiting and China sees it as a provocation, so they're directly involved. And they're also Taiwan's one of Taiwan's most important security partners now. Even the U.S. is still keeping its one-China policy. I think, if anything, what people want to see an end to, or what countries, rather, would want to see an end to is the aggressive use of force, right? Yeah. Because who wants the yeah. possibility of military confrontation, you know, in yeah. their backyard? Or just, you know, to happen anywhere in the world. As the war in Ukraine has showed and as the pandemic showed, it really affects everybody. So, but on the one China policy itself, I don't think that it will see its end anytime yeah. soon. Because even with what's happening right now currently, no, no country has signaled breaking away from that. Not even the U.S., which is, again, in, uh -huh. in that... And I think there's more to lose because if you think about what would happen, right, were that to come to an end, the risks would, would outweigh the benefits, at least at this point yeah. in time. Yeah, but so parang countries will learn to better do a balancing act. Uh, mm -hmm. Siguro, no? Even when countries abided by the One China policy, yeah. no? So let's look at the Philippines, for example. Interesting in yung case ng Philip. Well, interesting to me. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their context now, but then it's outlined the way we practice that one China policy is outlined in a couple in two executive orders under former President Cory Aquino. So we establish relationships, we establish ties, formal ties with China under the 
presidency of Ferdinand E. Marcos. He, we were one of the first countries to establish ties with China. And that policy was further clarified under former President Cory Aquino, where she laid out that, okay, who specifically is not allowed to visit? The president, the vice president, secretary of foreign affairs, and the secretary of defense. Mm. So in terms of Let's say what I mean it's pretty clear what that would look like, right? For us, so it means that these four officials can't visit. What about members of Congress? There's actually another specific provision for that, which they say, well, if anybody, any other government officials who visit China, must do so without using a diplomatic passport if they had one, if they had one, and they should give notice to the DFA. There are those mechanisms in place now. So in terms of the Philippines itself, also ending or or In, time, in terms of the Philippines itself abiding by that, it's pretty, there are rules set or there are criteria uh-huh. set. There, there are those kinds of like guardrails in place so that so officials understand and both sides understand what to expect from each other. Mm-hmm. I think now ang lingering question, no, paano maapektuhan ang Asia and also specifically the Philippines sa nangyayaring gulo na height and tension between Taiwan and China? Mm-hmm. So Asia first, no? the Asia definitely will be yeah. affected. I think a lot of countries spoke out and express concern over the live fire exercises, which were unprecedented because, I mean, it was the largest exercises, if I'm not mistaken, and it took place in several areas surrounding Taiwan, a few of which were crossing into areas which China recognizes as its territorial waters, no? So territorial waters is like 12 nautical miles from the coastline, and so you can just imagine that I mean, it's not far, no, it's near. It's it's quite near, actually. So in yeah. terms of how would it affect Asia, the location of Taiwan is also near the Philippines and Japan, right? And Japan was, I think, the most forceful to speak out, had the strongest mm-hmm. statement because five missiles that were launched in line with those exercises landed in waters that are part of its exclusive economic zone. And they found it to be a very serious yeah. um, security concern. And uh, that's where Japan was coming from. In terms of the Philippines, yes, the, I mean, the Philippines and Taiwan aren't, they're, we're neighbors, right? And you can yeah. actually see, you can see Taiwan from parts of Batanes and you can see, again, parts of the Philippines also from Taiwan. And so, you know, in terms of uh, if there were to be any spillover, I mean, the likelihood that Philippines would be affected could be quite high. The Philippines is also defense partner of the U.S., right? And so we have several defense agreements, one of which allows the U.S. access to some military bases. And so I think the tensions are also... I mean, the fact that it's happening at the time when the Philippines and U.S. are also clarifying or further clarifying what they expect from each other if something like this were to happen or to blow up into a bigger conflict. And so that's how the Philippines would be affected as well. And in, when it comes to other countries in the region, I think that, again, you know, going back to some of the lessons that we, some of the things we've seen because of COVID and because of the war in Ukraine, just because things happen in one part of the world doesn't mean that it's yeah. just going to stay yeah. there, right? It's, yeah. really going to, it's really going to affect not just, not just, whichever countries are directly involved in the content, but even neighboring countries. So um, it could potentially affect shipping. It potentially affect also air travel. And so those are some of the ways that Asia Asia would be affected, no? and Philippines in particular. So now we know the possibilities, the possible impact. Paano dapat responde or ano dapat action ng gobyerno ng Pilipinas sa nangyayaring gulo? No? Is neutrality the way to go? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it's so much 
neutrality, no? So yeah. as it as it is, um, a delicate response as diplomats would describe it is needed. And I think that delicate response, it looks a little bit how it looks like now in terms of the Philippines, no? It's clear that, so from the short statement that the Department of Foreign Affairs said, which I'll read, they said, the Philippines is concerned with rising tensions in the Taiwan Strait just north of the Philippines. The Philippines adheres to the one-China policy. The Philippines urges to straight by all parties concerned. Diplomacy and dialogue must prevail. It's just four sentences. Okay. Two, three, four. Yes, correct. <laughs> just make sure I counted that right. Yeah. It's just four sentences. But then here we can see that, so the Philippines is clear that it stands by international law. And that, you know, you should not use force to mm. assert your claims. That it prizes and prioritizes dialogue over anything, mm. over, again, the use of force. And I think in mentioning those things, no, some people might view it as neutrality. But then, I, I mean, the way that I would view it is that we are starting by those principles, no? the rule of law, and that peaceful dialogue must prevail over the use of force. And so while people may want a more explicit statement, for instance, I don't think that's going to be coming anytime soon because yeah, yeah, that's the most measured response you could have right now. So I don't think neutrality is the way to go. I think that by sticking to what we, the Philippines, holds as its values, no? so rule of law, following international law, that's the way to go right now, at least. I think also, it's worth mentioning, Rin, though, that especially under the new secretary, Secretary Enrique Manalo, he said that the DFA would always give studied responses and would not react out of emotion or due yeah. to false or due to fake news. So just by that statement alone, no, you that, that gives us an idea of how the Philippines would respond. More than that, it's, it's important to condemn what's happening, no? And which we saw naman in the statement so far. Yeah. So I know how we're getting ahead of ourselves. You, you mentioned four paragraphs or four sentences. Yung sentence, yung statement so far na Philippines uh, nangyayaring tension. Pero I wanted to ask you, scenario building tayo, no? Now what if, for example, we continue to abide by those like the principle of diplomacy and one China policy? Ano yung mangyayari? Ano yung possible outcome? Uh, versus if we like consistently condemn like explicitly and strongly condemn yung nangyayari. Uh, kasi of course, diba, isipin natin, China's doing it to Taiwan, yung military, ano, what's keeping them from doing it to, to, like, to our mm-hmm. territories, diba? So, mm-hmm. ano yung talawang scenarios na nakikita mo dito na siguro two extremes scenarios mm-hmm. na nakikita mo? Mm-hmm. Well, the f- I think the funny thing as well, no, Jules, is that if anything, this is teaching, a, I mean, this particular issue is showing that you can't stay on the extremes, no? You have to find common ground and that wouldn't be staying out of it. The Philippines can't stay out of it entirely yeah. because, again, of all the of, of all the um, reasons I listed earlier, we have nearly 200,000, around 175, almost 200,000 OFWs in Taiwan, no? So that's a direct concern as well. And I think also... If anything, we can't we can't have an extreme response. No, you can't stay in the extremes. You have to have a more we have to have a more measured response, which is also what we're seeing from our diplomats. And if we consistently condemn what's happening, which we have released one statement so far, and should tensions continue, I would expect that perhaps more statements would be released. No, it's important to consistently condemn what's happening because it hopefully will aid in lowering the tensions. No, because if you if you stay out of it and if you don't 
condemn or you don't call out actions that are unacceptable or you don't call for dialogue, it shows that you accept what's happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you accept what's happening, then you embolden those actors who are taking aggressive actions. And that will just lead to, I mean, what will that lead to exactly? Like, yes. it's, it would be hard to, it would be difficult and hard to imagine the effects of what that would lead to. Yes, silence is complicity. As, as we've discovered and as, as we've learned over the decades, the centuries of war. For my last question, Sophia, of course, we've talked about the response of the diplomatic community, the government. But then for ordinary Filipinos, you know, like silence, or, or, or families, our neighbors, our communities, why should they care about what's happening in Taiwan, the challenges that the Taiwanese people are facing in, while they're under threat from China? Well, yung tensions sa Taiwan may implications din sa ating lahat, diba? It Because it has, it shows us how China will behave in the region. No? Taiwan is primary national interest to China. It's first, if not, I mean, it's pretty much almost first priority among its first priorities. And so, while Taiwan is what is center stage right now. It doesn't mean that issues like the South China Sea will go away or its actions in other places in the world will, will go away. No. If anything, it reflects how China will behave. And we've seen that it's not afraid to use force. It also is, uh, is able to deploy economic responses to what's happening in Taiwan. So they, just a brief mention, no, they also place some sanctions on, on Taiwan. Then it allows some some of its imports to come in. Mm-hmm. And the Philippines has economic ties to China, of course. And so we're learning lessons as well as as to what China could do should conflict escalate closer to home here in the Philippines. Also, again, as I mentioned, there are we have Filipinos who are living in China. And again, to an, around 200,000 OFWs. And again, all of this really has an impact no, on the rule of law, which as a country, the Philippines really, really depends on. We depend on the rule of law to be able to take our place in the world. And if that is if that is weakened, it also weakens our position later on, not just in issues like the like the West Philippine Sea, but in how we, you know, how we put ourselves and how we position ourselves in the world. And so those are some of the reasons why would why Filipinos should care about no. Of course, we also mentioning the fact that then you know, it could also spill over into us in the Philippines. Yeah. Parang napakadami nuances ng relationship ng China and Taiwan, ng conflict, yung na-root siya sa historical context talaga. But yung nangyayaring tensions, yung pagdaging aggressive ng China, it has real-life impact on the, the citizens of Taiwan. And also, eventually, it, it can mirror, as you said, it can mirror what China can do to other countries, specifically to the Philippines. So, napakadaming discussion dapat dito, no? Para sa ating mga viewers na gusto sumara sa discussion tungkol sa conflict sa Taiwan or kahit anong issue sa Pilipinas, sa ating mga neighboring countries, pwede kayo sumara sa Facebook group na Rappler. Ang pangalan ay Rappler Room. Search lang yung pangalan nito sa Facebook. Maraming salamat, Sophia, for explaining to us the situation na nangyayari ngayon at yung impact ng Taiwan and China's conflict sa Pilipinas as well as yung So you mentioned kanina yung yung dapat careful uh, uh, response dito as you mentioned nga you're in your silent it means complicity it means what is happening is okay with you and that should not happen as we've learned over the years 
Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapture and News Breaks sa Facebook pati na rin sa Twitter. Kung gusto mo na access to exclusive content and events, pwede ka sumali sa Rapture Plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic that you think we should discuss in our podcast, pwede ka mag-email sa investigative at rapture.com. Again, I am Jules Gavilan, and this is Newsbreak Beyond the Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, help us continue to do what we do by contributing to Rappler. You can support us by making a donation of any amount through rplr.co slash support Rappler. That's rplr.co slash support Rappler. Or click on the link in the description. Your donation directly supports fearless, independent journalism in the Philippines.